Welcome to The Bonfire. I am your host, Morgan, and this is a podcast about video game news, reviews, speculation, and rumors. This week, I'll be covering the massive Bungie layoffs, a split-screen Nintendo Switch, the day before delays again, and much more. A few things before we get started. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, consider becoming a member, hit the like button, and comment down below. Please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review on Spotify or iTunes to help people find the show. A special thank you to all of the patrons and YouTube members, including producer level Hassan and YouTubes, as well as supporter level PK, Age Nephilim, and Horseman. If you're interested in supporting this podcast for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel or become a member on YouTube. Gaming news. This week we have a bunch of topics. Starting off with PlayStation, we have a grim Bungie story. Uh, If you follow my YouTube, you'll know I made a video this week about the Bungie layoffs and really just kind of discussing the layoffs in the entire industry uh, and how it's just been kind of a nightmare, uh, in my opinion, and how it's made it like hard to be as excited about games this year. We've had, you know, arguably one of the best years ever in game releases and the quality of you know there's there's like 10 games that could have been game of the years in other years it's just it's crazy but on top of that has been you know 6000 plus layoffs from video game companies many of those companies who are doing perfectly fine financially and you know if anything are doing extremely well And so this Bungie situation was just another one. So I believe it was on Monday uh, where we started seeing tweets from people uh, that worked at Bungie uh, kind of saying like, uh, hey, I'm looking for a new position. I just got laid off and it started off fairly small and kept getting bigger until there were some, um, you know, stories being put out by various games journalists uh, and then eventually a statement from Bungie. Um, Liana Rupert uh, being a big one uh, who a lot of people know either because of her Mass Effect fandom or because of her community facing role uh, at Bungie uh, was one of the people that go, which um, I think was surprising um, to a lot of people. And then, you know, it just kept going and it wasn't, you know, it seemed like it was a lot of community facing people, but it seems like it was regular developers as well. So. Uh, we now know in the aftermath that it was around 100 staff that was let go. Um, the timing was pretty brutal because I believe it was on the 30th and the way that their um, system works is their benefits run out at the end of the month, which gave these people one day of benefits after they were laid off. Uh, they will have like the Cobra health insurance, but if you've ever uh, been somewhere where that was offered, it's not worth it for most people or it's just not affordable for many. Um, I assume, and I don't know if there's been any stories about their uh, package, their severance package, but, you know, I suspect it's not enough because it never is. Uh, One of the really nasty parts about the story is that when Sony purchased Bungie, uh, what typically happens, and and, and there's a lot behind this, but uh, typically when that happens, the people who are employed get stock. And 
eventually they can sell that for a lot of money and that's why you see so often after a big acquisition you know a year two years later you'll see a bunch of senior developers leave the acquired studios and start their own studios because they probably got a big fat you know payment from these stocks the problem is and, and the reason it doesn't happen immediately is those stocks have to vest so you have to continue working you have to be there for so long before those stocks are vested and, and they're actually yours uh my impression and what the stories were saying this week is that those stocks are not vested yet for these bungee employees and what actually happens when they get laid off is they just they're just taken from them and they go back to bungee and they are just out of luck so these people don't even have that to kind of rely on and sell off to be able to support themselves for at least a little while and being part of that merger and all those changes and likely doing a ton of work in that transition uh, was taken from them. And I understand that's just the way it works, uh, but that doesn't make it feel any less like gross. Uh, the final thing is just in the last day or two, um, some details have come out talking about how um, it wasn't Sony that pushed this decision down. It was the Bungie executives. Um, you have to keep in mind, um, Bungie is not a PlayStation studio. It's uh, it's owned by Sony. And so it's not like a PlayStation games first party studio. It's it's um, the same way that Sony owns PlayStation. They own Bungie. Now, obviously, functionally, they're probably going to end up behaving a lot like a first party studio um but when it comes to this kind of stuff this wasn't like a directive that was brought down from sony to playstation to bungie it sounds like at least the reporting so far is that this was a internal decision now it's very likely that sony sent a directive to bungie saying hey you gotta save this much money uh and then this was what they decided to do uh I didn't see any announcements of the executives taking big pay cuts, uh, either at Sony or Bungie. Uh, it just seems like a hundred helpless people uh, lost their livelihoods instead. So kind of seems like maybe it could have been 50 people if maybe some other people sacrificed or I don't know, maybe zero, but who knows? Uh, this did come along with some stories talking about how um, they, they came in 45% under their revenue goal for Destiny 2. That's probably fairly indicative of the recent content not being hyper exciting for a lot of their player base. And that game is old. Like that, that game has been around a while now. And I've really never been under the impression that at least in the last so many years, I would find it hard to believe there's a lot of new people playing Destiny. I it seems to me like a community kind of like the division two that may not be pulling in a lot of new people but but keeps a lot of the people who like it but you know if you don't put out content people are excited for that's kind of underwhelming then you know your revenue goals don't hit or maybe those revenue targets were way too high considering their situation you can never really tell who uh who really overestimated or who messed up here um but either way, it leads to a bunch of people losing their livelihoods, and that sucks. Um, the, one of the weird things is that it came out that there are currently zero plans for Destiny 3. That's insane. <laughs> that is wild. Um, especially when we've seen, and it's been for multiple years at this point, seeing that Destiny 2 has some really you know, 
obvious and pretty well discussed issues when it comes to its engine just not being able to handle all of the content it has so they have to shelve content uh, that people paid for even and, and i think some of that's being adjusted but you know there's probably just simply a hardware and engine limitation there that they won't get past until they just have a new game until they can put the game on a newer or an updated engine um and then the the last bit is that there's a feeling that uh the, the next big dlc that's now been delayed to the middle of 2024 is like a big break point for the game and if it doesn't do really well maybe it means that destiny 2 stops you know major development which is weird because then all the stories came out this week about how marathon the other game they're making which is expected to be this like um kind of extraction type game that's based on an old shooter story game Bungie had um they're doing an extraction game for some reason and that when they brought in a bunch of escape from tarkov players uh none of them seemed interested in playing it beyond that play test now that story because i'm someone who's played a lot of tarkov and has followed a lot of the people they probably brought there I'm just going to throw it out there that the Tarkov community and especially their big creators aren't the most sophisticated bunch. And so I wouldn't and, and they and they love and they're dedicated to a game that is bad. Like I've played a ton of Tarkov. I think I'm around three or four thousand hours. That's a bad game. It's badly designed. It's badly executed. The developers are completely useless. They're always late on everything. That they're everything they do is janky and half implemented and half hearted. Um, it's it's a game that is obviously they're just doing what they have to do to get it out so they can get to 1.0. And then and the guy who runs that company uh, is very obviously, in my opinion, focused on the next thing. He hasn't cared about Tarkov in multiple years, uh, in my opinion. And so, so you have to keep in mind that the people who were like hyper into that game and in that community, I, I just don't think are the most reliable resources of, of feedback uh, because of the type of game that they've you know, allowed themselves to depend on financially. And so this still wasn't good news about Marathon, though. So it kind of starts to lead you to believe like, man, like what's Bungie going to do? Because games as a service seems like it may be slowing down as a genre. Their next game, which was not well received, is in a genre that people keep trying to make work, but no one can get it to work. This extraction type game and like what if they get left with two games that are kind of irrelevant? Uh, you know, it, it's it's weird. Um, one of the articles talked about how uh, there's a common belief in Bungie that if they hadn't been acquired, they would be in trouble, as in like they may have to shut down. And so Bungie's in a weird spot. And um, I, I have to admit, like, I've never gotten into Destiny. Um, I'm a Division fan, which is they, they share a genre very loosely. Um, I don't like the division because it's a looter shooter. I actually wish it wasn't, uh, but I tolerate that it is because I really like that franchise in the world and the developers and so on and so forth. Uh, when I tried to play destiny, I just can't get into it. I, I just, I don't know. It, it, it's a nice game, but it just wasn't ever my thing. So, um, for me, it's interesting to observe this as someone who knows a lot about the game uh, from you know just being around people who do love it uh, and being exposed to it so much. Uh, but it, it's it's definitely interesting to observe from afar. 
Uh, another bit of PlayStation news this week is that they acquired iSize, which is a video and streaming tech company. And the assumption here is that with their their PlayStation Now service, they're expecting, you know, we're, we're expecting them to use, I think it's like AI assisted whatever technology to help improve some of the quality and stuff of their uh, streaming assets. So, you know, they have that uh, that hardware coming out soon. That is a streaming, you know, handheld device. Uh, so it kind of seems like they are lightly diving into that world. Um, you know, Xbox has made a big deal of their streaming services with video games. It's really funny because I still think for the vast majority of gamers, the whole idea of like streaming a game to a device rather than just playing it on hardware, it's still pretty foreign. It, it seems like it's a solution looking for problems still. Um, I, I'm sure, you know, as that tech maybe gets better, people are more interested in it. Maybe it is more popular than I realize, but it still kind of seems like um, it's kind of like the metaverse. There were so many companies competing with each other to be the first ones to make this big metaverse. And yet there were no like customers there for it. Like Facebook spent, I think it was like $46 billion or something to work on their metaverse tech. And just no one cares. Like, like literally no one cares they, they try to make it like a business thing, a personal thing and, and they're doing it. And it's, it's like this, it's this, um, prerogative they have that, you know, the consumer kind of doesn't give a crap about. And so, um, it, it's interesting watching Sony maybe kind of quietly invest in the streaming tech and all of that, um, and, and I guess I'm kind of curious to what it means in the long run. Uh, we know that from the leaks from the uh, FTC uh, Xbox acquisition uh, stuff that there's a potential the next big Xbox console is going to use a combination of hardware and streaming tech to try to boost its uh, capabilities. Uh, maybe that's what's going on here as well with PlayStation. If they see that tech coming down the line, maybe they're going to think about it as well. I, I don't know. It's, it's a kind of a mystery. So um, something to keep an eye on uh, this eye size company. And uh, as I see more about it, I will talk more about it. Going over to Xbox uh, for news there. Uh, we have um, there, there was an interesting story coming out in the last week where uh, they're basically people started seeing these um, error codes popping up on their screen on Xbox and, and what it was and what we eventually found out it was is that unauthorized accessories are going to stop working with the Xbox. So we're talking about mostly controllers. If you buy a controller that isn't authorized or isn't approved by Xbox, uh, they've made a point that here in the next month or so, uh, it'll stop working. Now, the thing to realize if you're buying your controllers from most like reputable stores, they're probably authorized. Um, if you see some of like the official Xbox branding on the box of your $15 controller from Walmart, it's probably authorized. You should be fine. Um, it seems like the big issues that are coming up are fighting sticks. Apparently it's quite common to use some devices uh, at like fighting game tournaments and such uh, that allow multiple game uh, sticks to be used and that those devices are not authorized uh, by Xbox and that they may suffer here. I have a feeling that this will evolve quickly and the companies who make these devices will just get them approved by Xbox. Um, th there was a lot of skepticism uh, around the story of people being like, oh, Xbox is just trying to, you know, charge these companies for licensing. They're making sure they get their cut. I haven't seen any confirmation of that. Um, I, I don't know if that um, approval 
uh, you know, status requires you pay for licensing of tech of any kind. I suspect it's just kind of like making sure um, I believe some of these devices, uh, the ones that are really going to get hit hard are like the Cronus Max and these other, you know, what a lot of people consider cheating devices. Um, if you're anywhere near the competitive console community uh, for shooter games, you'll hear a lot about this, how everyone's in a tizzy about it. Um, and it seems like this is maybe kind of going after that a little bit uh, because the, the, the devices do things to, to alter the way the console is supposed to work. Um, so those are probably super screwed. I, I have to imagine they, they don't have any chance of, of coming back. The last group that there are people were, were worried about were like accessibility people. So Xbox has their accessibility controller and that will obviously be fine. But I guess there are other devices that do a similar thing that allow people who are physically disabled um, to, to be able to play games using alternate methods, uh, whether it's hooked up to like a wheelchair that they have or other devices they can control like with their face or with more um, large movements with their limbs and it's and, and that's one where I find it really really hard to believe that Xbox isn't going to work with whatever companies make these devices to make sure that they're going to be fine at least in the long run especially after all of the attention this story got this week so I don't necessarily see this as a bad thing it just you know isn't a good look basically uh, another thing that wasn't a good look this week was with the impending release of Modern Warfare 3, which is now out uh, as of the recording of this, or I think it's out in a week. But there's like early access now or something. I don't know. Um, when you log on to your Xbox Series S or X, uh, a bunch of people this week, including myself, got a full screen pop up saying, hey, Modern Warfare 3 is coming out. Click this button to pre-order and then or, or exit here. It happened to me. I was like, huh, that's funny. And then I exited it and moved on with my life. Um, they've done this with other games. I believe they did it with Starfield, maybe Forza Motorsport Horizon. It was one or one or one or the other. No one cared when they when that happened there. Uh, but everyone's in a tizzy about this. I get it to a point. Uh, the ads on Xbox in general, people are kind of antagonistic about. Uh, there's ads on the dashboard and the menus and stuff like that. I mean, I wish they weren't there. They've never bothered me either, though. I just maybe I've been in the eco ecosystem so long. I just don't notice them anymore. Um, but I don't know. This seemed like one of those stories. And it, it definitely seems like and I, and I kind of hate the term, even though I think it's kind of legit that I feel like we're already seeing Blizzard and Activision and all of these companies start to suffer the Xbox tax, uh, that there's people who are going to be upset about stuff that Xbox does uh, or their affiliates uh, just because the, the Activision deal went through. And, you know, uh, we'll talk about more about that in a moment. But. Long story short, I don't blame people for being annoyed about this, but seeing people like completely and utterly lose their shit over it is like kind of cringy. Like there's so many bigger things to worry about. It literally takes one second to clear this screen. It's not like you have to click like five different things to get rid of it. You hit the right, you hit the button, the, the stick right, and then you hit A and it goes away. So express your annoyance if you want hopefully they are more tactful about these things but maybe let's focus on the, the real things to be worried about and something to be worried about maybe uh from call of duty's perspective because the single player campaign reviews are coming in and they are not good <laughs> and so i've seen them as low as four out of ten five out of ten um 
it's interesting because there's a few aspects to it. You know, there are some publications, in my opinion, who kind of just make their name off of crapping on things like Call of Duty. It's too popular or whatever. Um, Another part of this is we know that there wasn't supposed to be a full Call of Duty release in 2023. There was supposed to be huge DLC. And there's multiple things leading people to come to the conclusion that this Modern Warfare 3 was just supposed to be DLC. Uh, The fact that on PlayStation, the trophies are underneath Modern Warfare 2. (laughs) Apparently, there were some errors popping up or uh, when they were trying to start Modern Warfare 3, it was asking for a Modern Warfare 2 disc. Um, (laughs) And and, and the kicker was that the, the single player campaign, which to me was what they were kind of selling as like the whole reason they were doing it as a full release. Uh, apparently can be as short as four hours. Now, I believe it's got some weird thing where it's like a a semi-open world kind of hub-based uh, single-player mode this time, um, but that it may only have about four hours of content if you run through it quickly. That just screams to me that, yeah, this was supposed to be DLC. This was never supposed to be a $70 game. And that I think... And, and with the pending sale to Xbox, I think Bobby Kotick and or Kotick and the other powers that be said, hey, this isn't going to be our problem in a year. Let's just put this thing out as a full fledged game, charge 70 bucks for it. 10 million people are going to pay for it, even if it gets crappy reviews, even if everyone hates it and sees that it was obviously supposed to be like a $40 DLC. Uh, and that's what seems like what happened. And um, it's a bummer because I really like the Call of Duty single player uh, campaigns. I, I've always enjoyed them. I always buy them, especially Modern Warfare. I buy them. I play through it. I have a lot of fun. I play a couple weeks of multiplayer and then that's my 70 bucks. And and honestly, I've always felt pretty satisfied with that. Finding out that the story could be as short as four hours and it's bad. Like I've seen a lot of feedback that it's just not it doesn't do anything that exciting or cool. It's a pass for me, which is weird because I've bought every Modern Warfare ever. <laughs> so it's probably not happening here. And honestly, I'm probably just going to wait a couple years until this is on Game Pass and then just play through the single player thing in a couple years. And I am perfectly fine with that. So uh, the, probably the most the dumbest thing that's come out of this, though, and I saw it and I know I need to ignore the for you tab on Twitter because it's only there to make you mad. And, that, and it won today. And so there were people saying there's already ants, you know, the, you have all of on social media and YouTube and Twitch, you, you have all of these creators. There, there's a few dozen of them who their only reason for existing is to, in my opinion, pretend to be this hyper dedicated console warrior who only shits on other consoles. So either they love PlayStation and they hate Xbox and all the Xbox, or it's the other way around and they hate all the Sony ponies and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I truly don't believe that 95% of these people are being authentic, uh, especially now with the way that revenue uh, works on Twitter. I, I think these people are almost entirely made up of folks who are just rage baiting and trying to get people going. And I fell for it because one of the things was, oh, Microsoft has already ruined Call of Duty in response to these scores. Like... I know what they're doing and I just need to ignore it. But 
oh my god the fact that it's it's not like the people doing it they know what they're doing right it's the people who follow them who do seem to mostly be these like brainless like yeah yeah everything they said type uh it's frustrating but it's okay we move on and what we move on to is really good news. It seems like there uh, there's a rumor that Baldur's Gate 3 will finally release on the Xbox, and it could come on December 6th. Uh, that would fulfill their repeated, um, I don't want to say promise, but their repeated statements that, yeah, it's going to come out this year still. Um, it's really interesting. Um, I, I would love to see them do a documentary on this whole process one day because the release schedule of Baldur's Gate 3 in one way it seems like it was very much controlled by the market and worries that Larian had and so on but then there could be a conspiracy theory to come up with that they did this all on purpose and so what I mean is that they bumped up the PC release of Baldur's Gate 3 by a month or, or a few weeks and the reasoning was to get out of the way of Starfield. That's kind of weird, in my opinion. Um, games that are not really in the same genre. They loosely are, but very different experiences, very different fan bases. But they were able to jump out and get the attention before Starfield. Uh, and, and this was before we really knew what Starfield was, right? And that happened. And people were taken you know, just taken by Baldur's Gate because it's extremely good. It's a really good game. And for weeks, all people did was talk about Baldur's Gate 3. And then the PlayStation release happened, uh, or at least the early access, on the same day that Starfield came out. Well, that is a attention grabber, especially after the good reception of PC. Uh, that is, you know, anyone who has a Sony PlayStation, it's their time to say, oh, yeah, well, I don't need Starfield. I can get Baldur's Gate 3, which is a pretty good alternative, right? And then now they're able to release the Xbox version in December, a few months after Starfield came out, and that attention has died down. The hype for Baldur's Gate 3 has dropped a bit. You know, it's not in everyday conversation like it was, and now it will be again. So I don't want to say that they did this staggered release schedule on purpose. I'm sure there was a lot more behind it, like issues with the Series S and, and, and really trying to get out of the way of Starfield, at least on one platform. But it also seems like this probably worked out pretty well for them because they're basically going to get end up with three big pumps of attention in one year and six months uh, and less than that, really. And it's probably going to end up leading to a really long tail in sales for that game. So congrats to them either way. Uh, I'm excited for that game to come to Xbox. Uh, it does still sting to see to remember from those FTC leaks that uh, Xbox could have potentially gotten uh, the day one Game Pass Baldur's Gate 3 release uh, for like five million bucks. That would have sold so many subscriptions for such a little cost. Uh, I bet if they try to make that deal right now, which they probably are, I bet the cost, I bet the price is much higher. So they probably messed up there. Or maybe Larian was never into it. Like that's also a possibility. Uh, in an indie studio like Larian, who made a big expensive game like Baldur's Gate 3, that day one 
Game Pass deal typically involves Microsoft laying down a check to pay for the development to help with the lost sales they're going to have. I bet Larian would have been pretty happy to have someone cover the development because I bet that game has sold insanely well on PC and I bet it's going to sell pretty well on Xbox and uh, PlayStation. So what could have been, I guess. Uh, the last thing here about what could have been was is about Starfield. Uh, they did make an announcement this week about a big patch that's coming. It's going to start testing next week and we'll and we'll probably release fully uh, sometime in November. And the big feature in it is that it's going to have DLSS in it. Uh, this was a big controversy uh, that uh, Bethesda had this deal with AMD to to really push, you know, people using FSR and things like that. Uh, there's lots of rumors that AMD basically forces game devs to delay, if not never, put DLSS into their games or financial compensation deal. Uh, that's been denied. That's been kind of pushed to the side. Uh, but it seems like if that was the case, that that deal has run out and we'll get native DLSS on Starfield. Um, there were mods almost immediately that allowed you to do this. Um, I find the modding for Starfield to be very janky currently, so I got it to work. But I just didn't like the hassle that it was. And so this will actually probably bring me back to start my second playthrough. Um, I still am probably going to wait to really dive in until there's DLC, uh, until the creation kit comes out which is their big modding pool which is when you start to really see the mods come out for that game there's hundreds of thousands of them for starfield already but they're mostly like really small like uh, like texture replacements and model replacements they're they're pretty minimal and ui adjustments but when that creation kit comes out next year uh within a few weeks or months of that is when you'll start seeing like really extensive mods coming out because it's the engine it allows people to dive in and into everything rather than trying to do all these kind of janky uh mods that we currently have so i'm excited for dlss uh, i certainly uh, anticipate jumping in and, and playing more with that and i believe that patch is going to update uh, the FSR version as well, the AMD tech, and is going to have a bunch of other fixes as well. So um, I'm still waiting for that DLC and the creation kit release, but I'll be excited to jump back into Starfield. It's a really good game, no matter what people say. Uh, in Nintendo news this week, uh, we have a patent that got filed by Nintendo, which people lost their mind about, which suggests uh, or the, well, the patent is for a piece of hardware that has two screens. And it's not like a 3DS where they you see them at the same time. Uh, but this console is meant to split in two and somehow transmit the video from the hardware to the part that's just a screen. And now everyone thinks that the next switch is going to be this like weird dual screen thing where like two people can play at once, I assume is the implication. Um, the thing to realize that if they're just filing that patent now, this is almost certainly for a, a product in the far future. It could be one of their little handhelds that's off to the side. It's not one of their mainline products. I think most people are still, and, and myself included, are really expecting the next Nintendo hardware to just be like an upgraded Switch. Um, they could get weird and, and, and pull another Wii U and screw this up. I, I don't think they will. They could, but I don't think they will. So while this uh, little patent thing was fun to follow as a story, uh, I, I don't think there's much to it yet. The other thing was the tragic news that the Twitch app 
is being delisted on the Nintendo store. Uh, I saw lots of content creators joking about this this week and podcasters and such being like, how many people watch Twitch on their Switch? Like, maybe it's a bunch. I mean, it's a good uh, rhyme, so maybe people like it for that. I can't imagine that this is uh, that big of a deal, mostly because I bet this wouldn't be happening if there was a large community watching on it. My guess is that Twitch is seeing that there's like literally no one using this. And instead of them having to constantly put out like security updates and, and update that platform, they're probably just saying like, okay, well, that's a waste of our time. So we're just going to cut that and spend those resources elsewhere. And Nintendo, because they know they're going to sell a hundred plus million consoles and that they're going to sell billions of dollars of games all the time. They're, they probably could care less is <laughs> I'm almost certain that Nintendo probably doesn't even know this is happening. <laughs> um, Okay, moving on to more general stories, uh, the EA financial report dropped and it's looking pretty good for them. So uh, it, it essentially is across the board there, you know, their, their profits are up, their revenues up uh, in some ways, just a little bit and others by a significant amount. And the only reason I bring this story up is because there's been lots of stories about EA recently. Um, we've had things both good and bad. We had the layoffs at Bioware. Um, we've also had, you know, finding out that, you know, the FIFA FC, uh, their first, or well, their FC 24, their first non-FIFA soccer game is doing uh, like significantly better than FIFA last year. Um, their Madden franchise is up this year, I believe. Uh, and then they, you know, they have all their single player games that have come out recently that have done really well, like Jedi Survivor. And then, with this mostly uh, the reason it's a story to me is that if you're someone who is like a Bioware fan and potentially wants to you know make sure that that uh, that Mass Effect game that's in pre-production the Dreadwolf game that hopefully is going to be finished soon if you want those things to come out knowing that EA in general is looking up and doing really well and supposedly even considering acquisitions that should be comforting if you care about the projects that ea has that maybe aren't their headliners at least not right now um, i think dreadwolf and mass effect have the potential to be really big franchises again for ea but they they have to come out one eventually especially dreadwolf and they have to be good and if they are i bet they'll become mainline franchises just like the jedi games and stuff like that and so um, I, I think if you are hopeful for any of these single player, maybe Titanfall 3 one day, uh, th this is good news for you um, that EA is doing well. Uh, during interviews that have been going on like crazy for Alan Wake 2, which I have not finished yet, I do want to do like a formal review eventually, uh, but I'm taking my time. I'm enjoying that game. It's amazing. Might be my game of the year. But during interviews, uh, Sam Lake, who's you know the big wig at Remedy, uh, did make a statement about Max Payne One and 2's remake. So this was something that was announced a while back, or at least rumored, and it's confirmed now. And they've said that it's ready for production. So something I'll tell you is that um, so I played Max Payne One and Two. I remember uh, on a very crappy computer a long time ago, and those games are cool, and their storytelling is really cool. And, and the reason and it's dark and it's gritty and what's really exciting about it is that their use of Unreal Engine 5 and Alan Wake 2 is wonderful. It is such a pretty game. It's just awesome. But it's a fairly slow paced survival investigatives, you know, kind of game. 
them using probably the tech and their innovations and, and their lessons from Alan Wake 2 and Unreal 5 and doing these Max Payne 1 and 2 remakes in Unreal Engine 5 is it's going to be awesome and doing like all the slow-mo stuff which they kind of innovated or they at least took from some of the movies and stuff of the time I'm uh, I'm very excited to see this Max Payne 1 and 2 remake and I think they'll do extremely well um, because they're kind of more like typical games where Remedy kind of has their style of being kind of quirky. Um, Max Payne 1 and 2, they have their moments, and I'm sure they'll insert much more of their personality. Uh, but yeah, I think just good old shooter lovers are, are really going to like this these remakes, and I'm excited to play them. Uh, the game The Finals, uh, made by Embark Studios, is using AI voices uh, alongside real people in their game. Uh, so the finals is a game uh, it's kind of like it's made by former uh, battlefield devs from dice and it's this arena style competition uh, kind of battle royale type of game where the end all of the environments are destructible in the entire game uh, and it's part of the play like uh, the, the points that you capture you can blow up the floor underneath them and they'll fall to the next floor there's all kinds of things you can do with the destructiveness and stuff of that game and it seems like it's being received really well but one of the things that was not received very well is that they announced that at least some of the uh, the barks or some of the random things that people say during the game and i think the announcers are ai generated voices now obviously with artists and stuff ai generation has been a big issue because most ai generated content um, is created off the lessons that those engines use from what's essentially stolen art from other people who didn't um, consent to their art being used to train these AI. And so there's a big issue there. Um, Embark did try to get ahead of this and kind of saying like, hey, you know, we're not trying to replace people entirely. It's just for production reasons. This worked really well for us. I bet because they're doing they're, it's in beta right now. I bet eventually there are no AI voices in this game, and I bet that they eventually just get voice actors to do everything uh, that they're using here and just try to you know, brush this controversy under the rug and maybe save it for another day. Uh, the day before this is our last story. This is a, such a leg legendary game. Uh, if you've been following me for long enough, or uh, this is a pretty popular topic in the uh the division community and stuff this day before game is this game being made by these russian devs who like moved to like singapore or something who have delayed this game like 50 times they've shown trailers that are direct ripoffs of other games and show things happening that just seems outside of the scope of this kind of studio which in the past has only made like mobile games and like an isometric survival game uh, and now they're trying to make this like last of us division mashup game um well they released a new trailer which admittedly it doesn't look anything like they've shown before and it actually looks like a game they're probably gonna release and that's okay. It doesn't look awful. It just isn't what they initially, I think, advertised. They also delayed the early access again to December, which is just hilarious. And if I remember correctly, they had like a, a note that early access is only going to be available to people who volunteer to develop the game. So I don't know if that's their weird non-English as a first language way of saying that like, 
uh, they're going to give it to people who are doing like beta testing. I think that's probably what they mean, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe you have to agree to like texture models or something to early access. I don't know. We'll see. I still think this game is going to be vaporware, complete shit show. Um, but again, I will say that that most, most recent trailer they showed was the first thing that looked like something that we will actually play. I'm morbidly curious. I definitely don't want to spend a single penny on this game. Um, but what I think is going to happen is it's going to release eventually. And people are going to be like, okay, most of the stuff they said was bullshit. But here's a game that it's a nice little mashup of other games that we know. Uh, and it does some cool stuff and it's fine. Um, but we'll see. <laughs> I, I think that they've burned most of the goodwill that they had. So... Uh, for listener questions, we don't have any this week. I didn't push it super hard this week. I knew I had other stuff going on. And so um, in the future, if you have your own questions uh, or topics you want me to cover on this podcast next week, uh, you can jump into the Discord um, and ask. And I have a room just for questions there. Uh, you can leave them in the YouTube comments uh, or you can hit me up on Twitter at Von Diesel. Uh, the links for all of those things are in the link tree link in the description of the podcast or the video. Uh, as we wrap things up here, I will remind anyone who's a Mass Effect fan, I'm doing a big Mass Effect giveaway right now of merchandise and a copy of the game if you want it. And uh, the way you can enter that is by going to my Twitter. Uh, and uh, the pinned post is a link to a GiveLab link that lets you do all of the entries uh, by supporting my content. Uh, and you can also uh, go to my Linktree link that you see down in the description. And the very top thing is a link to that giveaway. So you can hit all the buttons, do all the supporting things that you're probably doing already if you're listening to this podcast and have a chance to win a great game and some fun merch. Uh, there is in seven day is coming up here in a couple days uh, this coming week on November 7th. I plan on doing a extensive amount of coverage on that uh, on Twitter and YouTube videos and shorts and streams. Uh, I'm going to do a, at least one or probably multiple podcasts, both solo and with others. Uh, so if you're a Mass Effect fan, if you've been paying any attention to this upcoming game, uh, you know, follow all my stuff because I'm going to be covering uh uh, this next Mass Effect and Seven Day and any teases that come out with it extremely heavily. And I'm excited to do that. So uh, come along for the ride. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, please interact with the show if you have any desire to. It's a solo podcast. Uh, the best way that we can interact is you let me know what you think or you telling me what you want me to talk about. Uh, and then as well as any feedback or thoughts on the show in general, I'm always happy to get it. Uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including over on Twitch, where I do try to stream a few times a month. I promise I will get back to it, and we can talk about all this stuff live. But that is a multi-stream, so you can catch me on YouTube or Twitch whenever I'm live. You can support my content by checking out patreon.com slash bonddiesel for as little as one buck a month. You can join as a YouTube member, I believe, for one dollar a month at the minimum. Uh, you can subscribe over at Twitch uh, and with your Amazon Prime subscription that is a really nice way to support me and my content. Or you can go down and check out the merch in my link tree link in the description or on YouTube. I have a store there as well. That is all I have. So until next time.